For men and women looking forward to the end of a prison sentence, their biggest obstacle is often yet to come. That greatest challenge might be simply coming home. Inmates can come home to broken family relationships, difficulty finding a job, mental health issues, and an imposing list of other challenges. Giving returning inmates their best chance to succeed and rejoin society is key to keeping them from going back to jail or prison. And that's where Allen Superior Court's Reentry Court steps into the picture. I'm John McGauley, and on this episode of In Session, we're talking to Allen Superior Court Magistrate Sam Kearns about Reentry Court and how it became a national model for transitioning offenders back into the community. Magistrate Sam Kearns of the Allen Superior Court Criminal Division, welcome. Thank you. You've presided over Allen County's reentry court since 2017, and you are probably the best ambassador around today for what this program means to our community. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of how reentry court works, talk about the real life impact it has on participants and so many other people in their lives. Why does the community want to sit up and take notice? I guess taking that last question first, why should the community take notice? When you think of the criminal justice system, you think of of a crime or crimes being committed. You think of the police tracking down these individuals, arresting them, bringing them to the prosecutor's office for formal charges, going through a court process, gaining a conviction, and off they go to prison. And then at that point in time, there are people that are case closed. There's high fives, there's pats on the back, there's, uh, there's closure for certain victims or other players. And then that's where a lot of the world just believes it ends. But reentry court is really where it begins on a whole different side that people aren't really, I guess, cognizant of at the time somebody's going through the system. We focus a lot on sending the right people to prison for the right reasons, but the one fact people forget is that for the most part, they eventually get out. And so when they do get out, what happens then? And that's what we do in reentry court is address those issues to help these individuals upon their ultimate release from prison come back into the community and be productive, have an increased level of supervision that uh, I believe the community maybe expects or appreciates. And and once they're hopefully done with the program successfully, they're in safe, suitable housing, they're gainfully employed, and their chances of reoffending and coming back into the system are reduced. By the end of this podcast, we'll have demonstrated clearly to people why our program is a big deal. But we're not the only ones who think it's a big deal. Some years ago, our program was recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court, along with its founder, your predecessor in presiding over the court, John Surbeck. Talk a little bit about the Rehnquist Award. That's a national award given out essentially by the U.S. Supreme Court and the Chief Justice. I guess for a lack of a better term, it's sort of a Uh, an MVP award for a state court judge throughout the nation. At the time, Judge Serbeck was nominated by then Indiana Supreme Court Chief Justice Brent Dixon. Chief Justice Dixon believed that at that point in time, Judge Serbeck had founded and started a program that was very innovative at the time in the early 2000s and for approximately a decade had been working that program and having very good results with it in that 10-year period. Justice Dixon thought that that was enough to be nominated for that award and believed it to be well-deserving based upon the work that was being done. 
it doesn't get a whole lot higher up the food chain than the Supreme Court, does it? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> now, reentry court has a huge job. The needs of returning inmates can really run the gamut of services. Talk about the team approach to the program and the variety of those service providers you're able to bring to the table to help people coming home from prison. The reentry court is a is a certified problem-solving court in Indiana, and there are certain aspects of it that run just like every other problem-solving court or certified problem-solving court in Indiana as far as their team-based approach. Obviously, each problem-solving court has different goals, but the team-based approach has been shown to be effective, and drug court was maybe sort of the pioneer of using that model. The idea essentially is, is you get all interested participants in the room together on a weekly basis, staffing individuals they are going to appear in court that day. Day. And if there are issues or things that need to be addressed, we have everyone in the room to offer their opinion, to offer their assistance, to offer their services. And, and it really makes it so that if these individuals in the program need something right here, right now, we can get them those services right mm -hmm. here, right now. I'm talking with Magistrate Sam Kearns of the Allen Superior Court about Allen County's reentry court program. Now, there's also an extensive staff support system working behind the scenes on behalf of participants in the program. Talk about the role of Allen County Community Corrections and what staff do to keep participants on the straight and narrow. As far as reentry court goes, Community Corrections staff does most of the heavy lifting, day-to-day -day operations, engagements with, with the individuals in the program. Mainly, the, the, each individual is assigned a case manager. And that case manager is responsible for day-to-day -day supervision of the individual in the program. They keep track of where they're employed. They keep track of the good things that they accomplish. They keep track of the violations they may have. They prepare reports for the court. They make recommendations. They assist in removing obstacles individuals may have in whatever challenges they're having if they can remove those obstacles. They refer these individuals to the different programs that they may be required to complete as part of a a risk needs assessment. Case managers then obviously supported by the other staff at Community Corrections. They have program facilitators at Community Corrections that offer cognitive behavioral therapy that do drug and alcohol assessments. Another component of a lot of the individuals, at least at the beginning of the Range Court program, they are in electronic monitoring. So you have the monitored via GPS 24-7. You've got field officers that uh, do home visits, employment visits. Every single thing that Community Corrections does for offenders that are sentenced there outside the Ranch Court program, they're getting the same supervision and services within the Ranch Court program from Community Corrections. So let's cut straight to the nuts and bolts of it then. What defines success, both for reentry court as a program and for a participant? Success ultimately is, is, is graduation from the program. Graduation means you, you did not get revoked from the program for either committed a new offense, you didn't get revoked from the program for absconding from supervision, or you didn't get revoked from the program for technical violations, which cannot sometimes mount up to the point where the resources that we have have been exhausted and there's nowhere else to go. If you haven't done one of those things, ultimately there should be a graduation from the program. On a rare occasion, we'll have someone that's maybe merely released from the program. There's a rare occasions where there might be a unique set of circumstances where they're not, for whatever reason, able to complete what might be required of them. We don't graduate people from the program unless they're employed. We don't graduate people from the program unless they have safe, suitable, stable housing. We don't graduate people from the program that have recent positive drug screens or that are active drug users. So right now today, how many people are participating in reentry court? And also, how do they enter the program? 
As of today, there are 47 individuals actively participating in the Rancher Court program. And obviously, that fluctuates from day to day. As new individuals come on, people graduate, or if, if people do violate, they come off the program. The participants for the program come from the Community Transition Program, which is a program established under state statute that allows individuals to be released from the Department of Correction early onto an electronic monitoring anklet to finish out the executed portion of their prison sentence. Designed sort of as a, maybe a generic sort of reentry court program, also designed to reduce prison population, getting people out early under supervision to reintegrate back in. The individuals that we receive onto the reentry court program have what's called a risk needs assessment done either right before the release from prison or right when they come into community corrections as part of that community transitions program. And if they score, as far as the risk assessment portion goes, if they score very high, high or moderate, they're then placed into the reentry court mm -hmm. program. If they score low, they just remain on electronic monitoring through community corrections, but without the reentry court program. You preside over reentry court sessions on Mondays. What does a typical day in reentry court look like? Prior to the court session, we have a staffing where all the individuals that are on that day's calendar are discussed by the reentry court team. And I don't think we've specifically gone over who is a member of that team, but at that staffing, there are obviously case managers from community corrections. The problem-solving court coordinator from community corrections is there as well. A deputy prosecuting attorney is present. A public defender is present. We have a probation officer present, a parole officer present. We have uh, Park Center as a treatment provider present. We have one of the community corrections program facilitators present as well. At the staffing, there is a, an update or an information sheet on each individual uh, discussing basically their tenure on the program and then current achievements, current issues, current violations. And as a group, we discuss how that individual is doing. If there are rewards, incentives to be given, we, we discuss those. If there are sanctions to be given, we discuss those. Uh, if there are other intricate issues, we've got every player involved there to discuss those and generally come to some sort of a consensus on what's going to happen with each individual that day. Sometime after the staffing, we do then convene the court session and begin the court portion of, of Rancher Court, where all the individuals come in. I have a conversation. Some conversations are quick, those that are doing very well in the program without issues. Other conversations are a little longer. Uh, other times, there are things that the participants want to discuss that we did not know they would want to discuss. And so we discuss those challenges, issues, concerns that they may have right then and there. Our reentry court program here in Allen County has been in operation since I believe 2001. The proof that it is successful is, an, is abundant. The numbers state the case. Talk about the numbers that really prove what we're doing here. Uh, maybe graduation rates, employment rates. We could talk about a couple of those things. Safe, suitable housing, employment are two huge obstacles that individuals face when they come out of prison. So we do focus on those. As of last year, so the year end 2021, speaking about employment rates, 42.5% of the participants were employed at intake. Mm -hmm. And by employed at intake, obviously they're coming right out of prison they don't necessarily have a job day one out. Employed at intake means they were given 15 days upon their release to obtain employment. 42.5% of the people obtain employment within 15 days. Ranch Court doesn't specifically take credit for that because there's not much you can do with somebody in 15 days. That's actually on the individual coming out 
that was motivated to gain employment somewhere somehow. As far as the employment rate at the end of supervision, so the individuals that ended supervision through 2021, 77.6% of them were employed at the end of supervision. So as you can see, there's a there's a strong focus. There's a 30% increase or 30, 35% increase between employment status at the beginning and employment status at the end. As far as the completion rate on the program, 57.7% of the individuals complete supervision mm -hmm. through the Rancher Corp program. And you, if you compare that with maybe other community-based supervisions, it may not seem as high as others, but the individuals that participate in this program, remember, are some of the highest risk individuals mm -hmm. to reoffend. So they are one of the most challenging groups of people to work with. That's reflected in, in, in that success rate. But when you consider that over half of the people that come out from prison complete supervision without any significant issues or problems, and you consider what that population looks like as mm -hmm. far as their offenses, their life, their chances of su success, 57.7% is, is a great number. From a personal perspective, every one of those participants who find a job, who find safe, suitable housing, it's got to make a huge difference in their lives because there's got to be a certain feeling of hopelessness for somebody coming out of the Department of Corrections. I mean, you've been there for a while. Your, your family relationships may be in tatters. You haven't had a job for a while. Going from that situation to employment has got to make a big impact on people. When it comes to that, there are two uh, maybe polar populations that that is a challenge for. The first population are offenders that went in when they were extremely young, maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, served a significant prison sentence and are now coming out mid-20s to late-20s. And as a program, we tell them, go get a job. These are individuals that have never had a job in their, in their life. And they don't know the first thing about going to an employer, presenting themselves. It's foreign to them. And so that, that's a challenging population, and there are resources that we use to try to help them present themselves to an employer, to help them gain maybe interviewing skills or even filling out a job application mm -hmm. to help them gain employment. The other end of the population are individuals that have been incarcerated for 30, 40 years. While they may have had a job before they went in, the world's changed. And then that goes beyond employment as well for those individuals. They struggle as well with finding a job because they're maybe they're in their, their, their late 50s and they also don't know how to present themselves, how to apply for a job because they've been in an institution for over half their life. In 20 years, the, the collective impact of this program uh, has to have touched thousands of people by now. Am I right? For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Talk about the stages that a participant will go through if they take part in reentry court. They come out straight from prison to Allen County Community Corrections offices where they get hooked up to electronic monitoring device. From there, they either go out to, they go to wherever they're serving that, you know, in, in a, I guess a newer aspect of our program is we have a number that go out to the Community Corrections Residential Services Building. Prior to having that, it was all home detention, but now it's a, it's a mix of both. So they come out to uh, Community Corrections straight from DOC, Anklet goes on, 
and they're off to where they go. They make their first court appearance maybe about a week later, and that's their first time meeting with me. They've obviously met with community corrections staff on a few different occasions. We call them last, so they observe a court session. I welcome them to the program. We also have a faith-based mentoring mm-hmm. aspect that's obviously voluntary. One of our mentors is always in court and gives them some information. So kind of start them off with the tools they have. From the court sessions, a couple weeks after that, their case manager will have gone over the risk needs assessment with them, and the needs portion addresses what type of services they may be referred to or evaluations that may occur. Almost always there will be some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy. Some individuals will be referred for mental health services if they've received those in the past. Most individuals don't get referred for substance abuse issues right away. Typically wait for those to, if individuals test positive, then those services come along. So from that needs part part of things, there's a case plan that's prepared and it's sort of a, I guess, a summary of what's going to be expected of the individual on the program. That way the case manager, the individual participating, and myself, we all know what's what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And from there, they, they come to court weekly, but as they move into different phases of the program, phase one's the beginning through phase four, supervision level changes. You're not coming to court as often. You're not meeting with your case manager as often. You're not getting randomly drug tested as often. As you hit certain milestones and don't have any issues with the program, you progress to less hands hands-on. If there are issues or speed bumps, hiccups, it might be that your supervision level remains fairly strict for a little bit longer period of time. As you complete certain things, uh, you graduate from the program. If you complete all the required or agreed upon or components of that, And from there, you're then referred to either probation or parole, and maybe going back a little bit, the individuals that come on through the CTP program, after a short period on electronic monitoring, their executed sentences ended, which means that they then would normally either turn over to probation or parole, but they're typically still on the range court program, completing requirements that would be requirements had they been on one of those programs as well without the Ranch Corp program. And so upon graduation from the program, they just go to regular supervision of probation or regular supervision of parole. However, one of the other carrots of the program is, is that typically those individuals are released from probation or parole early because they've done well in reentry court, they've completed all the necessary programs they may be required to complete, and they've not had any issues up to that point. Mm-hmm. I've been talking with Magistrate Sam Kearns of the Allen Superior Court Criminal Division about the community's reentry court program. So far, Magistrate Kearns, we've been talking a lot about the nuts and bolts of the program, the things that you might see when you come into court on Mondays, but there are a lot more things that happen in this program, tools that the program gives participants to succeed that may be taking place behind the scenes, but truly make a difference on their ability to pick up with a new life. Talk about that a little bit. This is one of the the, the good things about having a team-based approach when you have so many different players in the the room talking about individuals. Two players specifically, the public defender and and the deputy prosecutor, are are very important at times when individuals come out and transportation is always a big issue, whether they're out of residential services, which is a little removed, or even, even at home, access to a vehicle or even a valid driver's license. So one of the things that we do is we routinely waive the reinstatement fees that the BMV requires people to pay to get their license. Back. So long as there's no other outstanding failure to appear, failure to pays on their driving record. And so from a money standpoint, that saves individuals, in some cases, hundreds or thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. Sometimes, though, they do have some outstanding traffic tickets, violation citations. And oftentimes, the deputy prosecutor and the public defender work together to resolve those 
in, in a way that allows the individual to then get their driver's license back. Access to reliable transportation is huge. That's one of the biggest things we do. Another thing that we do is we individuals weren't on the program, they would be on probation or parole. And probation and parole have their own set of rules. And to be honest, they don't have enough probation officers and parole officers to supervise individuals to the extent that we do, this increased level of supervision. With this though, we create sort of a bubble that allows individuals to have violations. They do mess up, we're all human. And they're just coming out and they're thrown a lot of things, a lot of life at once. And if it weren't for this program, there might be certain violations of probation or parole that would just land them back in jail and back down to prison. But we've created this bubble to allow certain technical violations to occur, to assess what happened and why, maybe refer them to other services, increase levels of supervision, or make other small adjustments to help them continue on the path to reentry. And it's hard to get a little more specific without getting into each individual case mm -hmm. as it applies to certain people, but that's kind of the best way to describe it. A little that allows certain transgressions to occur mm -hmm. without affecting the safety of the community or the safety of the offender or anybody else, but to keep them on that path, acknowledging we're all human. I guess one other area that has come up as well is, is individuals come out and try to reintegrate back into families. There, there are people that want to reconnect with their children. They want to become part of their children's lives. Public defender and the prosecutor, and at times utilizing the, the 4D program, there have been some times where we've helped individuals get back into family court. Oftentimes it results in them having to resume child support payments, which they're not always happy about reducing the paycheck, but it gets them back into family court so they can reestablish orders that allow for parenting time and for them to be a part of the, their kid's life, which obviously that's a, that is a very pro-social goal that we look at in the program as well. You know, Magistrate Kearns, this is a big part of your job, but it's not all of your job. You've got a, a large portfolio of cases in the criminal division. So this is there's got to be a reason why you want to do this. Is this personally satisfying? And maybe talk about some of the success stories, favorite stories that you've got about people moving from incarceration to success. It is extremely different from what I do day in, day out. And prior to becoming a magistrate and an attorney, I was a probation officer supervising individuals. A lot of what this court session is, is some of those same conversations that a probation or parole officer would have with the individual. So it's it's fun to engage individuals in that way, to dialogue with them, because you're on the post-conviction side. The conversations we have, we can't have those when there's a pending charge. You're just not permitted to interact with accused individuals in that manner. Now that we're post-conviction, the conversations are different, and you can you can ask tough questions. You can get into some really deep, interesting things with individuals. And one of the rewarding things from that is hearing their side of things and helping them understand my side, but then me also trying to understand their side through that dialogue. And again, part of creating that bubble to allow them to make mistakes or with the amount of contact we have removing obstacles. A couple examples of I guess creating the bubble. I'd point out that we've had multiple individuals who are convicted murderers come out to the Rancher Court program. And they can be challenging from a supervision standpoint because they've been incarcerated for so long, they don't even know what a cell phone is, let alone have never used one. And when you think about how much society lives and dies by the cell phone, 
by internet, you've got to take into account this person has never seen this before. We've got some computer access in the DOC, but it's not to the extent that we use it. So we have individuals that come out and we have to sort of dial back what we do rather than a one size fits all. But it takes time to interact with the individuals to discover what we normally do is not going to work for this individual. And we have that flexibility to dial that back and still they can succeed on the program. Another advantage of the program is the electronic monitoring and the 24-hour GPS. We've had two instances come to mind. There was a, there was an individual in the program whose, if it was his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, and at least one or two of his children were caught in a house fire out in the East Coast somewhere and were not expected to survive. And he wanted to go visit them. I can't remember what he was on for, but in a normal supervision process, I, I think he would have been a parole client he would not have been able to attend uh, or, or go see them because, number one, because he wasn't in violation of the program. And because we could know where he is at all times, we were able to let him go visit. And I do believe that they all passed away, but he was able to get there prior to that happening and it would not have been available to him otherwise. And there was another individual recently, just this year, whose son had had a medical incident down in Georgia and he wanted to go see his son. Same scenario, we were able to allow him to go down there and we could track his GPS points the entire time. Removing obstacles are great. But then, I guess humanizing the violations are, are interesting too. There's individuals that have been incarcerated for a long period of time. They had a bad day. They reached for a beer, had a beer. They came up positive for alcohol. In some cases, some other level of supervisions, they may have had severe sanctions. The individuals that do this in our program, sometimes they don't have severe sanctions. If they don't have any history of alcohol problems, we can dialogue with these individuals and see that makes sense. Mm. The other guy that gets me, he was on electronic monitoring and he stopped at a point that he was not allowed to stop at. Technically, that can be unauthorized absence from home detention, which can be a misdemeanor. You went somewhere you're not permitted to go. That's the whole reason we have electronic monitoring, so we know where they're at. And when I confronted the individual about why he was somewhere he was not allowed to be, he ended up at McDonald's. And the reason he went to McDonald's is because he was getting ready to have a supervised visit with his child. And he wanted to bring his child a Happy Meal. And so, yes, it's technically a violation, but when you, when you have that information, because you took the time to ask mm -hmm. and listen, it changes what you do with it. It's completely, completely normal and rather than there being a sanction, we had a conversation that in the future, you need to ask for permission rather than forgiveness. But we all, we all understood why he did what he did. In other realms of supervision, you may not have that conversation. You might have somebody that didn't ask that or take the time to care. That's kind of the environment we create. That's one of the fun aspects that we do is individualize this supervision when they're both successes and violations. Mm -hmm. It really sounds like Reentry Court is a wonderful program. Another example of how the problem-solving courts in Allen County are really taking to heart that everybody is human and that people make mistakes and that the ultimate goal is for people to get back to their lives. Magistrate Sam Kearns, thanks for spending time with us to talk about Reentry Court. Another Thank you. tool in Allen County's toolbox of solutions to real-world problems. Thank you very much. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana courts. You can find out more about this topic and many others at allensuperiorcourt.us. Thanks for listening. The next episode's coming right up.